When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. Marisol Castro, I'm just so thrilled to be here with you. First of all, you're making me feel like missing New York because you're so New York to me. Uh, you are. And you know, you're a staple in New York and, and what a beautiful market. It's the number one market for doing what you do for a living. And you've been there such a long time that to me, you're like synonymous with New York. And then on top of that, you have not marginalized yourself, girl. And you just went in there to this man field of being Mm -hmm. the announcer for the Mets, which is iconic. And like a Latina chingona doing this, uh, you know, one of only two women that that do this. It's I'm just so proud of you. And as someone who's, who's, Older, older and wiser than you and started in, in a similar, you know, I started as a reporter. I don't know if you even know that. Yeah. But, uh, I just love seeing you there. And I, I, I it was so beautiful because I saw this interview you did with Linda Vaquero. Mm-hmm. And Linda was my intern at Channel 47 oh, in New York. My. And oh, I feel my. like she grew up with me. And I said to her, you need to be a reporter. You need to be on yeah. camera. Such a young little puppy, and now she's mm-hmm. so special too. So I yeah. love you girls. I just think you're the bomb. I think you're the bomb. I was I anyone with ears who I said, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking to Nelly Galan. Oh my God, the queen! I mean, I'm in awe of you. And listen, we've been in this business a long time, and yet we still we managed to we managed to still look so young. It's because we're Latina. Yeah, more we're Latinas. <laughs> but truly, it, it's an honor to finally meet you because oh, I, I, I can't. It, it, no, it really is because, you know, I, I have worked into the general market my entire life. And yes, I am very New York, New York. Um, and, you know, there were so few people that, that I could look to, never mind look up to, but that I could look to who looked like me, who sound like me, who were blazing trails. And it was really my contemporaries in Spanish language television and in broadcast That's right. that I was like, they're doing the thing and it's it's for a different audience. And, you know, this was the late 90s, early 2000s. And I think, look how far we've come. All that to say, I've always admired you. Hi, um, the, the things that you that you have accomplished in your life, what you did at Telemundo, I mean, it's really, it gives me chills. It really, oh. it really, I, I look at, I look at where, how far all of us have come in the year 2023. And I'm like, you know what? We're still at it and we're making strides. And, and Marisol, I really want the audience to hear from you because I think you're a very special story. Number one, because you haven't marginalized yourself. And you've done something which we all have to do. We, and I talk about this a lot. How many times have I reinvented myself, Marisol? I mean, I had to go back to school and, be, and get a doctorate in psychology, write a book. I mean, if we don't think like that, we're not going to make it because mm-hmm. we have to stand out. You've done a great job of not marginalizing yourself and branding yourself. Yep. And also, I, I think for the audience that might be interested in journalism, I want you to explain to them your trajectory in journalism. Because journalism, when you started, when I started is very different than today. If you don't build your own brand as you have done and your own following, you're not going to make it. 
So can you tell us a little bit about your trajectory and how it's all changed? Yeah. I mean, and I, I will say this in full disclosure, mine is a very odd tale. It is not uh, the path that most people take. I am a little bit of an outlier. My, well, my first desire in life was to become the shortstop for the New York Yankees. And then Derek Jeter beat me. It's okay. We're still friends. Um, but no, I, I, I never set out to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. I taught high school English when I graduated college. Um, and that was a placeholder because I was going to go to law school. And then after two years, law school was like, hey, lady, you coming or not? And so the, the one thing that I knew that I loved to do was write. I always loved writing ever since I was little. I'm still little when I was younger. Um, (laughs) And so I I was going to, you know, like you, I was like, let me go to, let me continue my studies. And I was on my way to writing programs. And I ended up at journalism school, the Columbia Journalism School. And I went, no con malagana, but I didn't think I was going to get in, you know, and, and that, that in and of itself became this odd through line not that I had imposter syndrome, but there was always this little thing that was like, I don't know. I don't know. You sure you're going to be able to hack this? And so thank you. Yes. I got into J school, not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I did the broadcast program and they put a camera in my hands and I was, that was it. I was like, Oh my God. And you know, New York city is your laboratory. This was 1998. And um, there's always something happening in New York city. When I graduated, you know, the professors are like, all right, now you have to figure out what you want to do. You know, I've been teaching English for three years. And I said, listen, the only thing I know is that uh, I want to stay in New York. And they were like, well, your broadcast journalism career has just died because this is, <laughs> this is the number one market. But yeah. I remember. We need to I, explain that to people that when right. you are, tell them about when you're in journalism, what is the usual trajectory? Right. So the usual trajectory, if you if you're in broadcast journalism, is that you traverse the country. Right. You you go to smaller markets so that you can you can hone your craft. You can find your voice as a writer. You can figure out what your hiccups are when you're on air. Um, You can learn how to work with editors. You know, you get to know a city small perhaps and then you start to work your way this this is how it used to be right and i think it still is to a certain extent you know you work in local news and i gotta tell you something those stories that you find in the middle of nowhere are phenomenal yeah, stories it's, it's a great trajectory you know it's very similar it, i don't think people know that in television uh when you go to work on a tv show you also start at the bottom as an assistant to a, a writer Right. And it, there's there is there there is a like a crafts uh, a crafting your career mm-hmm. and starting and not setting you up to fail. And I don't know if you went through this, but when I was starting out as a reporter, they sent me to Anchor Woman School in Dallas. Remember, they would tell you all to cut your hair, not wear jewelry, like look yes. plain, like the story wear wasn't jewel, about you. Jewel tone colors. Don't wear a whole lot of makeup. Yo yeah. I was like, hold on. Yeah, it was like tone yourself down. Don't talk with your hands. Close your hands. Right. right. You no, know, and that was be- and also like they would tell us the story isn't about you, about right? You. Until yeah. Geraldo Rivera blew all that out. But back okay. then it was right. So I want I want people to hear that. I, I think people think you're like a pretty girl. You get to be a reporter. No, it's no. a real craft. And they'd send you all over the country, and That's it was right. it's like you're climbing slowly. That's right. right. And you're making nothing. Nothing. You're making nothing. You're making no money. 
you are, you know, my first job, even though it was in New York. So fast forward, I go to journalism. I go to the J school. I want to stay in New York. They're like, good luck. I graduated on a Tuesday. That Sunday, I was at the Puerto Rican Day Parade with my cousin and my sister. I saw News 12, the Bronx van pull up. News 12 is a hyper-local station in New York City, in the Bronx. And I saw a woman setting up a live shot. And I said, oh, it must be so nice not to be a one-man band. A one-man band is in these smaller markets. And even now, they have MMJs, who are, they do a little bit of multimedia journalists, who do a little yes. bit of everything. But back in 1999, you were carrying a 50-pound camera, running a... And she said, what do you know about that? I said, oh, I just graduated. And she goes, oh, well, what do you want to do? I said, I'm not sure. And she goes, well, do you have a demo tape? I said, yeah. She goes, well, you know what? Here's my card. Why don't you come to the newsroom tomorrow? I'd love to introduce you to my news director. I had been partying from Tuesday till the Puerto Rican day. I had no semblance of a demo tape. I had nothing. So I my cousin and my sister. I was like, peace out. I got to go. They're like, where are you going? I said, I got to go. I got to go work. I went up, I slapped together a demo tape. P.S. My classmates were like, Mari, if you get a job with what you're putting together, you give us hope because that is garbage. I was fortunate that I went to this school, that the standard was so high. Yeah. My, my professors held me accountable. My classmates, we all held each other accountable. So that when they saw this, and I really was like, oh God, I'm slapping stuff together. That's the other thing. You know, I, I look at how, how content is made now, and it's very, you could do it on your phone. Back then, we had these enormous avids, and we were like, pool, it was- All of us um, had to learn on the, I'm very, like, we all learned the hard way. Yes, the hard way. But where you know if you made a mistake, I, you couldn't, you one, couldn't just control Z. Control no, Z did not no, exist no, back then. <laughs> no, it was so complicated, but that's, it was great because we all had to learn to do everything. That's right. But you know something that I think as you're saying the story that, that it reminds me of, that one of the things that nobody ever talks about is that in a weird way, the news business was more democratic, like, let's say, than the entertainment business. Like, everybody's talking about diversity in Hollywood. There's no diversity in Hollywood. The news has to look like the audience it's serving and has always had to look like the audience they're serving. So in a weird way, they were always looking for girls like us, right? Yes. 100%. Because they had to serve the audience. And I don't think that the, the, the local news gets the credit that it should get, that it's actually been democratized way before other industries. Well, and I think on the part, I agree, because on the part of, you know, the managers and the executives, the news directors, they know whoever's going to turn on Channel 7, Channel 11, Channel 2, they know that the people at home want to trust the person holding the mic flag. And who do you trust? You trust your neighbors. You trust the people that look like you. You trust the people that you, when you're on your way to the grocery store that you see, which brings us back to, you go to these far off lands, Wichita, with all due respect to the people who yeah. live in Wichita, because it's a smaller market and you really, you entrench yourself in it. You, you get to know it, you understand it, and then you move on. Um, but I, I, I would agree with you. It was, I think, you know, it was very News 12 new, like Marisol Castro. And I'm from the Bronx. I got the job, by the way. And <laughs> but the funny thing is, they said, the news director said, okay. First, he said, so you think you're smarter than everyone because you just graduated from Columbia Journalism School? And I will say this. My attitude has gotten me into trouble. 
probably more times than I need to. And I said, no, I said, but you know, the form that I had to fill out in your lobby is full of grammar errors. You really shouldn't give this out to people. And he just was like, so, um, but in my mind, I did. I did think I was smarter than everybody else. I yeah, really that's did. That's good. You have to have that a little bit of that attitude to get I, in. To get in. And I, I'm also an athlete. So I was like, I had a little chip on my shoulder. And so the next day I come in and they send me out on a story. I had a couple of things going for me. Number one, I'm from the Bronx. So I knew where everything was. So, yeah. you know, the new, the, the assignment desk gives you, says, fire, Grand Concourse and 187th Street. We used to have this enormous map of, of the Bronx in the newsroom, and you would see reporters go over. We didn't have ways. We didn't have map quests. Nothing. Map. Nada. The North Star. Because I was from there, I knew where I was going, so I could get to a story quickly, shoot it, come back, edit it, boom. I did that three times. And the assignment at the desk was like, how is she doing this so fast? It goes back to J school was so hard <laughs> that this to me was like, oh, this is a break. The, so the news director says, okay, that last, we call it a VOSA a video and sound on tape. We want you to turn that into a package, which in, in local news is like, you know, a full blown piece, right? With right. a beginning, a middle and end. And so I do the thing and the news director says, well, I want to see this before we put it on air. So he watches it and he says, where's your stand-up? The stand-up is where the, you know, the reporter says, and in an unfortunate turn of events, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be on camera. I want to write. I want to write and I want to produce. And I said, and I will turn your anchors into stars. And he looks up at me and goes, are you not wearing makeup? I said, I said, no, I'm not. And he said, Ida, Ida woman Ida Siegel who to this day is still a very good friend she was on channel four in the city she said, can you put some makeup on this girl so she says you're fine just put on some mascara and some gloss and so I did the thing I do the stands up I slap it together and the story goes on the air and I kid you not it like and it was the lead story kill oh me now God. I kill me now I don't remember what the story was 605 the, the, the assignment desk Marisol your mommy is calling you. I said, I do How mortifying. Yeah, this is our life. And I'm like, mommy, she goes, eh, niña, am I watching on television right now? Yes. Okay, good. Do me a favor. Don't ever wear that lipstick again on television. Like, <laughs> that was That's in the year 2000, and I never looked back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So yeah. you, so you're one of those weird cases that you've really been in New York the whole time, the whole in different time. places. Tell everybody because you've switched to different places, different, and that's also different platforms. Yeah, and, and we should talk about that because that's a little politically difficult as well. When you're in, oh news, yeah, you go from one place to the other, they get a little jealous and they get a little weirded they, out. It's like you're traded in a team, right? One totally. It's um. Yeah, that's it's very territorial. It's very um, it's it's to, all this to say it's not enough to just be good at what you do, right? You have to understand the politics of it, which oh, is yeah. horrible. But you know, it's a learning curve, and and if you decide yeah. to look at it not as politics, but just this is another thing that I'm going to add to my bag of 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 tricks that I need to pull from. Um, so I was at News Twelve for a year, and then I went to Pix. So where I am now, Channel 11, they were starting a morning show and they uh, needed, you know, they were filling the whole show and they asked me to do traffic. And I said, traffic? I said, I spent $80,000 to go to the most prestigious journalism school in the country and you want me to do traffic? Yes, in a helicopter. 
helicopter. Absolutely not. And you know, a week later, I was up in that helicopter with those stupid things like this. Yeah. So instead of using it as, so if, first of all, I had to get over the nausea. Every day I got sick, seasick, oh air God. sick. Because we were in the helicopter, we could get to breaking news faster than anyone else. So I was able to really work on my breaking news skills without a script, without a teleprompter, just wow. me. I had, a, I had a producer, you know, on the ground in the studio and she would, you know, she had the police scanner and she would get information and she would just feed it to me in my ear. But then I would also just look, you know, look at the scene. And so I was able to parlay that into under really understanding live television and also really understanding the power of what I say as the person who is in that box working for a news station, what I say is gospel to someone. So mm -hmm. I took that personally. I knew mm -hmm. that, and that also came from being a teacher, um, that people were relying on me to tell the truth. And I, I, I was like, that, you know, when, when that, when you have that epiphany, I think as a journalist, it's humbling, it's empowering. Um, and I, I never forget that. And that, um, doing traffic, I said, well, I also want to, can I do some reporting on the ground too? Like I'd, <laughs> I'd like to not be in the air all the time. And so I was able to work on feature writing and feature reporting. And then, I was there for two years and made this meteoric jump um, to Good Morning America. And it was- And it can was... you explain to everybody too how like in that world, at a certain point when you get an agent, right? Right. It starts telling people about you and trying to get you like- you're... This had nothing to do with my agent. No. I feel, I feel very confident saying that. It has nothing to do with my agent. I had an agent for 10 years and then I was like, I can do this myself. And then I realized, Damn, I wish I had an agent. So it's like this. But it's also the the, the way we get work has also changed. The right. way we do work, the hustle and the, the mentality and the smarts that are required has not changed. Mm -hmm. The hustle part has changed. I think agents are being swapped out for marketing teams. Um, mm -hmm. We can talk, we can talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Correct. Correct. So I um, when I got to Channel 11 back in 2000, one, I didn't have an agent. I got there and excuse me, as I was leaving there, the agents came and started finding me. Cause this is the other thing about New York city. So in New York city, page six, they, they, they love like New York local news people were like local celebrities. Celebrities so yeah. were, fo were fodder, right? It was different back then. Cause there's only the daily news and the post. Now it's like everyone has Instagram. And so I happened to make it to the front of the daily news as the hottest reporter in New York City. Ooh, like, that's cool. That's like getting the people's like, most beautiful people. Right? right? But Same me, thing. I'm like, but I'm smart. I don't care that you like the way I wear my jeans. I'm smart. And, you know, I was, I got, I was very upset at that. But the agents called. Oh, my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Who else called? ABC News. CBS News. So it's this really strange, like, you can be really good at what you do timing sometimes has to be on your side and sometimes it's just perception these people at abc at cbs they had no idea at that point they hadn't really watched me they just saw my face plastered on the cover of the daily news and so it was sparkly and it was fresh and long story short i end up at good morning america which it's that's not the normal trajectory no i was in new york and i had been working at this for three years and now suddenly i'm sitting in diane sawyer's office 
looking at her fabulous shoes and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but also it's, it, but also as we know, then you go to network and it's not all that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was really, it was, I mean, listen. Be careful what you ask for. It Well, first of all, I didn't ask for it. I just thought I, I had, at that point, there was a fork in the road. I could become the main morning anchor of WCBS mornings, which you're that you're at the top of the food chain. You're there. You're doing the thing, or do weather for Good Morning America weekends, and then do you know feature reporting during the week. And I really did. I, I thought, wow, this is what am I going to do here? Then I started getting the the salary numbers. Channel <laughs> two was paying me offered to pay me more than Good Morning America. And I called them out on it. And, and this and at this point, my agent was like, oh, you might have to suck it up. I said, you can suck it up, not me. I know how much, I didn't know how much these people made, but I assumed like they were making a lot of money. And so I, I literally negotiated and said, this is impossible. You have to find more money. And when I tell you they found more money, they found more money. So the, the lesson there is never accept the first offer. That's right. That's right. There is there is always more money somewhere. And if it's not money, it's something else. It's perks. equity, it's perks, something, anything. I think I think what you're saying, which maybe back then we wouldn't have called it this, but when you are a journalist and particularly today, you are an entrepreneur. You are you you are your own career, but your career is a business. And you don't we don't think of it like that. But it is true. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to negotiate for yourself. You have to create a brand. You have to know who you are. And the other thing is, you're in New York with a bunch of other Latinas. You have to find your own voice. Yep. Right? That's right. And that, that takes is time. Right? Yep. What is your voice versus everybody else's voice? And can I tell you, Nelly, when I got to GMA, I didn't know what my voice was. I really didn't. And... It, it was so humongous. I mean, that machine was and still is humongous. But I will say, I still watch GMA. I watch it every morning when I'm getting ready for my own show. And I, I learned so much about the business, about myself. And let, let me tell you, I mean, they, they ate me up and they spat me out. Don't, don't get it twisted. Um, because I, I could be ambitious, but not too ambitious. I could want drive, but the whole time, you got to wait your turn. So it was you know, eight years well, I think of people, people don't realize that the morning shows, I mean, you get a little bit beast. of it on Apple. It's a different beast. Yeah. But it's a different, like it, it, in a weird way, morning television was like social media before social media, because they track you minute by minute yeah. and they see ratings wise, which no other show tracks that ex if you're working or not working and you're yeah. being judged so harshly every minute of, that's why they can't put you they have to put you on the weather or something else first, because otherwise you'd be dead in 30 seconds. You'd be dead in 30 seconds. That's right. So it's so competitive. That's why that show, the morning show is not wrong. It's like the most difficult, difficult. And again, more like social media than anything else, but even harsher in a weird way. Right. Oh yeah. Well, um, yes. And so it's very stressful. I mean, that's why you see a lot of, a lot of anchors become alcoholics they, I mean, it, it's not wrong. It's a very, and no. one minute you're the hottest thing. And then the next minute, like you're dropping in the ratings and they're, and they're calling you out. And, and, yeah. and, and it is a little abusive. It can be abusive because oh, yeah. they do like check and they tell you stuff about your looks all the time. All the time. I was too short one day. 
<laughs> the next day, I, I, my, my, they didn't like the way I dressed. The next day, I, I sounded Puerto Rican. The next day, can you sound a yeah. little bit more Latina? And I'm like, dude, what? what? So it's, it, it really, you're, you are correct. You're, you're under a microscope. Listen, the resources are plentiful. Um, I had my own glam squad. I had my own dressing room. I had my own assistant. I had my own producer. I flew business class. I stayed at the best hotels. If I said, I'm interviewing such and such a person, five minutes later in my inbox, all the research I ever wanted on that person. You know, and that was the other thing. I, regardless of how big or small the story was when I was at ABC News, you took it seriously. And even if it was entertainment or if it was sports or if it was politics, you got the information and it had to be right. It had to be right. And everybody there held me accountable, which I'm grateful for in terms of my reporting and my ability to tell a story. I would write a script and my producer would read it and he or she would say, you know what, let's work on this a little bit more. Um, and I, and I think that has become a lost art. I, I look at, I look at the landscape now when I mentor young journalists, I tell them it, it's not about how you look. You, you have to be able to tell a story because your looks are going to fade. And in, in the, in, in the perceived notion of what quote unquote faded looks are, if you can't tell a story, you're replaceable. Like you, re you no, really are. So let me ask you a question because from what I'm hearing, isn't it true that the business has become much more, uh, I'm going to say freelance mean, but also entrepreneurial where you now almost have to like, like they put a lot of people on, you know, as a one-off, like it's not anymore. There's not all people that have a, a salary and that know what they're going to make. Oh. It's become much more, you really have to prove yourself and brand yourself. Correct. Yes. And I look at you doing this incredible Met thing, which is incredible that you're like, first of all, the only Latina and only one of two women doing announcing for a game, I mean, which, and I, I connect the dots because that's also, you're an athlete. So you like that because yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it. By the way, do you know that I started ESPN and Espanol? And I, 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 when I read all your stuff, I go, I was so short-sighted. I hired 70 Latino men. I took, I plucked them and I made them sports anchors. Why didn't I put five women? Like, I didn't even think about we it. Didn't, we didn't, we didn't know. know. But like, I guess like, when I look at that, I go, that really brands you in a very unique way. Mm -hmm. but can you explain the difference between journalism then where it was, you were in this very money making machine. Mm -hmm. If you were a star in those, like, yeah, you were surrounded by a team, but it was still cutthroat. But now you're more like, you better think like an entrepreneur because most, most journalists today are freelance. Can you talk about that? 100%. You know, I, GMA, CBS News, ESPN, those were like the money making years. You know, they, they, these contracts, they were throwing money at you. You only thought about it when your contract was up and it, and, and that was it. You know, when I left, I was part of the first round of layoffs at ESPN back in 20, I can't even remember now, 2018, maybe. And that is when I really had to think about, okay, what am I doing? How am I going to do this? There's no, check coming on the 15th and the 30th. I now have to pay for my own health insurance. Oh, by the way, I'm also a single mother. And um, so, yeah, it became this, okay, what gig am I going to get? What am I going to do here? I mean, it was, these were Nelly. These were not fun years. These were really, no. really tough years. Um, I got evicted twice. I had 
like a dollar thirty seven in my bank account, and I was like, "What?" If the world only knew, the once hottest reporter, the girl who was at Good Morning, you know. And so I just had to hustle, and I had to, you know, the, the, for me, I was like, "Okay, what? What am I? What? What do I know? I know I can talk on camera. I know I'm a storyteller. I know I can teach." Um, and so I started aligning myself with different brands. You know, back in 2018, it was we still didn't have that lexicon, at least I did, right? And so I just figured out, how am I going to make money doing what I know what I know how to do? And some of it was luck. Um, and it was also, you're getting paid cash. So I'm like, oh, where are the taxes? I got Now I have to figure out, what's a 1099? You know, like, so it's... Um, to your point about freelancing, you really have to be mindful of, okay, what am I, how is this in the long term? or in, you know, as you look at, as I look at my goals, how is this aligning with what I'm doing and with what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And back then I said, well, you know what? No one's hiring me. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. Cause trust me, I tried. Um, let me just try to do this myself. And so again, knowing that I knew how to tell a story, that I know I knew how to walk and talk on camera. I wanted to create a television series highlighting Latinos. That for me, you know, because even every place I worked, I always looked for the athletes and I looked for the Latinos. Because for me, A, my people, my community, yes. but also, you know, um, stories about athletes. It's not about X's and O's. Mm -hmm. It's not about RBIs. It's about the people who 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 make all of those things happen. And so I created a show on Instagram. I was like, I don't know where this is going to live. Um, I, because I had comported myself with integrity and maintained my relationships, my Rolodex was safe. So I knew when the time came, I could call people and say, listen, I want to shoot something. I have 30, 37 cents in my bank account. I can't pay you, but you have access to my Rolodex. I'll also feed you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I shot this thing with literally two kids in their twenties who were great photographers. And I, and you know, the old mentality was like, well, where's this going to live? And someone said on YouTube, on Instagram. And I was like, really? People do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, imagine, I mean, you, when you're a content creator and you know how to create content today, actually, and I guess if we're not afraid of change, yeah. it is the greatest time in history to be a content creator, right? If you're entrepreneurial. But right. I think that's the thing that we have to say to the audience, which is, you know, we talk about this a lot. And for me too, I mean, I've changed careers five times. When you start seeing ahead of you that what you're doing isn't going to work for you going forward. When we see this many TV channels, if we all think like business people, each channel can't spend the money they used to spend. I remember I went to work at HBO at the height of HBO when HBO was Netflix and we were just blowing money. It was like, here, make five shows. Here, take, right. your, take your right. other people out to dinner. Then right. it was like a million channels. And now like, it's like when all my friends say, this is the era of great TV. And I go, yeah, but nobody's making money at it. But nobody's making money. No, because when you have a hundred channels, split the revenue of advertisers, or of, of subscription or whatever. And I think we all have to go back to, if we all knew then what we know now, and this is why I teach entrepreneurship, right? Nice. We all have to think like entrepreneurs. And that's, that's right. why I wrote a book about self-made women, which is what you've had to do. Right. You have had to make yourself self-made. Mm -hmm. Porque that's si it. no, 
it even and we go back to all the things we thought were were sure things like having a degree from Columbia Journalism School is like going to Harvard Law, right? But at the end, it's like no, because yeah. when 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 businesses are disrupted, everything goes out the window, and you have to pivot. That's right. And you That's pivoted. Right. That's right. I did, like you. I had to. Hold on, Moneymaker will be right back. Let's get back to the show. And and that that pivot of of trying to make it on my own is how I ended up at the Mets. I spent my career in broadcast journalism being told I had a horrible voice. They sent me to coaches. The coaches were like, you don't have a bad voice. They just don't know what to do with you. And so I was shooting Somos. I was looking now. So now I'm doing this show about Latinos. And I wanted to find Latinos who were titans of their industry and happened upon um, a bunch of different women. Sandra Campos, shout out to Sandra Campos, who was the first Latina um, CEO of Diane von Furstenberg. She has now become a friend, but she is one of these people who we call a sponsor, who, which is to say, in a room full of people who don't know your name, there is that one person will, that will say, you know who would be perfect for this? And that person says your name. And Sandra Campos has always been a sponsor and I'm, I'm fortunate to call her a friend. Long story short, I wanted to feature her on my show, Somos. And I'm getting this call from this number and I'm like, Sandra, I'm so sorry, I've got to call you back. No one leaves a message. This goes on, this goes on for two weeks. I'm getting a call from a number I don't recognize. Now I'm getting a little bit of traction. You know, before, when you don't have a job, you're checking your phone, you're looking on LinkedIn, you're checking your, you're refreshing your email inbox every five seconds to see, oh, maybe there's a lead here. That... And because I was now working, right, entre comillas, I wasn't checking my inbox. And let me see what's, what is, and I see this email from the New York Mets, but I don't really pay attention to it. I get off the phone with Sandra. I'm like, hello, this is Marisol. Oh my God, from voice on the other. Jesus Christ, you're hard to get a hold of. And who are you, sir? He was the man who would go on to hire me for the New York Mets. He said, listen, calling from the New York Mets, I said, I'm a Yankee fan. He said, it's okay, so am I. And I said, what do you want? <laughs> he goes, God, you're, you've got such an attitude. I'm like, time is money. And he says, listen, we're looking for a new PA announcer. And uh, the ownership is interested in a female PA announcer, specifically a Latina. And I say, why now? Why in the history of the New York Mets, the oldest team in the franchise, why now? And he goes, God, they told me you would be tough. I said, who's they? He's like, never mind. He said, if you check your email, you'll know who they is. And he said, well, we're, we want, which this is very New York, very New York. Very New and York. He's, and he's, but also as a journalist, what do you ask? Why? That's the first question you ask in journalism. Yes, why? of course. You know how to Why? Interview. Why? And so he says, you know, um, we, we ownership at the time recognizes and understands that we want the ballpark to be a place that reflects the community, Flushing Queens and Queens. And I will say, I, I, in that moment, I stopped and I, I thought, I said, wow, good for you. Because it, it, it really did make sense because, you know, that's something that I had been thinking about as a journalist being on so many different platforms, like. I want to represent people that are out there. You know, people on the street would stop me, start speaking to me in Spanish and say, you know, we're so proud of you. 
or, you know, you're one of us. And, and I never lost sight of that. And so for this massive franchise, the New York Mets, one of the most recognizable sports franchises in the world, regardless of their record, um, that they wanted, that they, that they understood that at they some point it. it's, it's bigger it. than baseball. Sometimes it's bigger than baseball. Right. Yeah. And so I said, well, I have a terrible voice. He said, well, you sound fine to me. I said, I could be honest with you. I don't even know who plays for the Mets right now. <laughs> and so he said, we're going to send you a script. Just record it and send it back to us. I said, where do you want me to record this? Remember, I came from the world of recording booths that were soundproofed and you had 10,000 yeah, mics. And, you very, had, very and I was fancy. very fancy. He goes, do you have a phone? I know you have a phone because you're talking to me. You're going to sit in your closet. You're going to read the script. You're going to send it back to me. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I came, I got home. I told my boys, I said, que se callan, mommy has to do work. I literally sat in my closet. I tried to move my clothes close to me because I was like, oh my God, the sound is going to go everywhere. I read the thing. A couple of hours later, he said, okay, you've moved up. We want you to come to the ballpark and do a cold read. Cold read is you don't get the script until literally you're about to go on air or you're about to do the thing. And I drive to the ballpark. I get there and they put me in the friends and family room which is like where the ball, the, the ball players, that's where their wives and all their kids. So I was, pl- I was playing with the easy bake oven. You know, they put me, they, I'm nosy. They put me in this playroom with Barbies and puzzles and this, and I'm, I'm, I'm messing around with everything. And in comes the guy and he goes, are you ready? And I said, sure. And he goes, do you have any questions? I said, no. I go up to the booth, different guy comes in and he's, he just, it's like a car salesman. He just slides a sheet of paper across <laughs> And I'm, I'm there in the mic and, you know, whether you are a sports fan or not, when you look, when you're at a certain level, yes. meaning, and you see a ballpark or you see a stadium, it is, it, it is amazing. There's, there is nothing like it. Um, and so I just looked at, in that split second, I, I realized where I was and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I said, hey, listen, can I take BP? Batting practice. And he goes, no. I said, well, can I run the bases? And he just looked at me. I said, listen, dude, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in this position again. So I got to just ask. He's like, can you just read the words, <laughs> please? But the thing. Right. <laughs> you guys told us she was going to be good. Um, little did I know that standing right underneath me, so the booth is kind of perched up, uh-huh. and right underneath me were the owners, and they could hear me. I did the thing. I left. By the time I get home, they had called me and said, congratulations. You are now the PA announcer for the Mets. Oh it makes you the first perfect. female PA announcer. And I said, really? Um, and it was, and it didn't, did not occur to me that it was historic. It really didn't. In part because I was like, shit, what am I making for dinner? Damn, I forgot. I got to go. I got to go to the supermarket. Um, I'm at my niece's lacrosse game. I got to get gas. I said, okay, well, when do I start? Well, next weekend. Okay, great. And um, and when I told my sons, I said, oh, so I got a new job. Because that was the other thing. You know, when I left the network, that's a consistent thing, right? You're there every day in the gig with the gigs. You know, some days I'd be like, okay, I got to go for a week. Yeah. Or, you know, it's maybe now I have life. to work at n- Very different. So it was not like I could be home to do homework every night or be home to, you know, or take them to school every day. It was made me resilient. It in turn made them resilient. And so they were like, well, what's your schedule going to be like? And I said, I don't know. It's baseball games. 
And so I said, you know, the PA announcer for the Mets, my son runs away. He comes back. He goes, there's only one other woman that's a PA announcer for the Mets. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were just, like, I could see their wheels were turning. And of course, going back to how do you differentiate yourself? It, it I mean, like when you see all the articles that came out because of it, like you didn't mm -hmm. really... You know, but but I also think that in life, when you connect the dots of you, like clearly you were in that space, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden that comes together and then that brings you a whole other like brand mm -hmm. that helps you with all the other things that you're doing. That's right. That's right. Right. But I think, you know, what, what I'm also hearing is in a weird way, you, journalism went through this horrible blip where it pivoted and it was no longer a sure thing. But now, in a weird way, because content creation is such a big deal, it has become the most egalitarian, democratized piece of business, but not for people who, who want to be in a corporation, for people that want to be entrepreneurial and can do that. That's right. right. It's very different. The two are very different. Very, very different. Because, you know, it, it's not until I hear you say it, but as journalists coming up in the business, you are an entrepreneur. You do have to know every facet. You have to not only be good at your job, you have to know then how to parlay it. And I think in the earlier part of my my uh, career, I didn't know how to parlay it. But also, we didn't have to. It was like, I very serendipitously ended up on the cover of this magazine or in, in this newspaper. You know, now, oh my God, that's like, that's gold. It's now, cool. well, also, I think back then what we're not saying is that in the early days of your doing journalism and and I doing journalism, they didn't allow you to have brands or anything. You couldn't. They that's owned right. you. Oh, and no, now, that's right. like you're building your own brand and getting your own relationships with sponsors and all kinds of stuff. That's right. That's right. And it's it's um, you know, obviously with with the show now, it's a lifestyle show, and we have a lot more leeway. You know, mm -hmm. and it's and it's so funny. I think about when I didn't have two dimes to rub together and I could barely like I'm trying to polish the shoes I had. I had then. Now people send me stuff all the time. I'm like, where were you guys when I was broke? <laughs> it's the way it is. It's either feast right? or famine. You know, I tell right. my son that, too. Marisol, I could talk to you for 10 hours. I know. You I know. So, Mommy, my mother. Is I, feel like she's like <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're like my sister, like. Even hearing you, I, I I realize when people say to me, "How come you're so like tough?" And I go, "Now I realize it's like New York girls. We're just like we know how it is." But tell me, just let's leave with one thing: if you were gonna tell young women today, like you know, we're older and wiser, and I'm older than you, so yes. I'm even wiser than you. Okay? I please, but we look younger than these okay? other girls. I but tell 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 men and women going into that are interested. What what are the two or three things? most that you've learned from this journey and this disruption in the field that mm -hmm. you were in and the pivoting, tell, tell what you would leave them with. I would say that um, never forget that what you're doing in that moment, there are thousands of people that want to do the same exact thing and half of them can do it better than you can. So be in that space, be in that moment and treasure it and, and use it make it work to your advantage. Um, number one, number two, be smart. It, it sounds very simple. And, and people are gonna be like, Nelly, you asked Marisol for advice. And she said to be smart. 
What I mean is be curious about the world. I don't care if you're working for one specific brand. If you're trying to build your brand by making videos on social media and you want to parlay that into something else, be smart, read, ask questions, pick up a newspaper. I don't care if it's a digital newspaper. Ask questions of the people around you and of yourself. The third thing, in addition to being smart, as you are building your brand, my team, they're all smarter than me. They have to be because I know that I hold myself accountable. And even with that, I'll forget something. So my team is just as smart as I am, if not smarter. And we all ask, why? Why are we doing this to serve the greater good? Um, and I know where your money's going. I didn't, it, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I was like, oh, that's the 401k. Oh, those are investments. Oh, that's how much I'm paying for this light bill. Uh, boys, let's start turning off the lights. <laughs> um, yeah, I could talk to you for 10 more hours. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're my long lost sister. I'm just so proud of you, Marisol Castro. Like I, you are, you are iconic. You are beautiful. You're so smart. And I just love the evolution of your career. And thank you for sharing thank it you. with all of our people here listening, because I want everybody to become a moneymaker. So it's very important. Very important. Very important. Nelly Galan. Te quiero. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>